0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, October nineteenth, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. Supporters claim a new government option would compete on a level playing field with private health insurance. But a new lawsuit belies that claim. Since 1993, the Social Security Administration has effectively coerced seniors into enrolling in Medicare by saying that those who opt out of Medicare for private insurance must forfeit all Social Security benefits, past and future. Attorney Kent Masterson-Brown has been fighting exactly that coercion. We spoke on Friday. You are working on lawsuits that uh, deal with uh, Medicare and the inability, or should say the prohibition, on some people being able to spend their own money to secure their own health care. And uh, still participate in uh, certain government social insurance programs like Social Security. Correct. Describe the case Hall versus Sibelius. Okay,
1: what what this case is? There are five plaintiffs uh, from all different regions of the country. Uh, three of whom were former federal employees with federal employee health benefits programs uh, that covered their health care and then two uh, individuals who have uh, set aside money over the course of years to pay for their own health care during their retirement years. Uh, All five of them um, want their Social Security because it's their money. They've they've paid into it uh, for purposes of it being so-called saved. They now want it. Uh, However, none of them want to get in Medicare uh, at all. And... um, uh, Both programs, Medicare and Social Security, uh, were created by Congress to be wholly voluntary. You could get in them, or you could not get in them. It's totally up to you. Um, And these five simply don't want to be in Medicare, and yet, uh, again, they want their Social Security. Well, in 1993, um, during the height of the Clinton Health Care Task Force uh, uh, being in uh, operation, Uh, the uh, Clinton administration began to uh, amend the uh, uh, program operations manual system of the Social Security Administration. These are just program operating manuals that the employees use. Uh, Began amending those to mandate that anyone who applies for Social Security must also apply at the same time for Medicare Part A, the hospitalization, and that you cannot get Social Security without also getting Medicare Part A. And if you sought to disassociate yourself from Medicare Part A, oh, you could do so, but you would also have to give up your Social Security And you would have to then repay to the Social Security Administration every dime that they had paid you um, that was supposed to have been your own money. Um, uh, And they would not let you out of either program unless and until the final dime was paid. Now, there's nothing in the statute that says that the agency has the authority to do that. Uh, The statutes uh, are totally silent on disassociation. It just says that Social Security and Medicare are entitlements. So the individual, if he meets the prerequisites, shall be entitled to either Social Security or shall be entitled to Medicare Part A. And that's how they both read. Historically, the courts have always, as well as the Social Security Administration, has always regarded Social Security as totally voluntary, and it uses the term shall be entitled. Well, Medicare Part A uses the term shall be entitled, too, and yet they're trying to force people into it as a condition of getting their Social Security payments, which have never been conditioned upon anything anything except your age and whether you've paid into the system. So what's happened is that uh, all these fellows, one, don't want Medicare Part A. Some of them have actually tried to uh, uh, get uh, their administrative remedies or or get some administrative review of this. However, there's no mechanism really for them to do so fundamentally because the the agency hasn't set one up because it doesn't believe you can. And um, so one of them in particular, a John Krause of Pennsylvania, uh, tried to get uh, a, an initial decision and got one and then finally got a second decision, a reconsideration, and then moved uh, the agency to get him an administrative law judge because both of those decisions told him he couldn't get out of Medicare. And uh, the agency held him up for four years until well after this lawsuit was filed. Uh, Another one, uh, Brian Hall actually tried to, when he found out about this, when he went down to sign up for Social Security and found he was also having to get in Medicare, uh, he called uh, everywhere within the agencies, including the Office of the General Counsel of Health and Human Services and of Social Security. Both of them told him there's no mechanism for you to get out, so you can't. So here they are, um, uh, unable to get out. Uh, not wanting uh, uh, Medicare, and yet uh, if they don't sign up, uh, they don't get their Social Security. So so we filed a lawsuit in October of last year asking the court to void these program operating manual rules that have mandated uh, uh, individuals get in Medicare as a condition of getting their Social Security. Now, as as, as luck would have it, uh, as we all expected, um, the government files a motion to dismiss claiming uh these individuals had not exhausted their administrative remedies and um i mean indeed no, none of them had exhausted them uh poor john krauss was held in limbo for 4 years and and uh, brian hall was told he there were no remedies for him to exhaust and um uh so uh the, the question the court was asked uh, uh, to to really answer is do they have to exhaust remedies, and are there remedies for them to exhaust, or uh, does the, the the facts of this case illustrate that the plaintiffs should be excused from doing that? Well, we argued, of course, that the plaintiff should be excused from exhaustion for several reasons. One, there didn't appear to be any true mechanism for them to uh, uh, apply to any agency uh, uh, to get this reviewed. And there, and historically, the plaintiffs, when they tried to do things, were kept being told there was no a mechanism by which this could be reviewed. And then, during the course of uh, arguments, during our appearances before uh, Judge Collier in the U.S. District Court, the Justice Department kept reiterating that there's no mechanism for these uh, gentlemen to get out of, of Medicare. So the court should just shut them down. I mean, just stop them, because there's nothing there for them. And and their argument was Congress didn't set up any mechanism, and nor did the agency. And the statutes they claimed uh, illustrated that uh, there was no mechanism. Well, on the 29th of September uh, of this year, Judge Collier handed down uh, an opinion on the motion to dismiss, which we argued back in on May 22nd. And uh, the court ruled that um, these plaintiffs uh, were excused from exhausting. And this is a this is a huge decision because since 2000, when the Supreme Court handed down an opinion uh, in a case called Illinois Counsel versus Shalala, the Supreme Court said that in every case, an individual must exhaust remedies before. They try to access the United States courts, and these are cases that uh, mostly the courts looking at that arise under Medicare and Social Security. And um, indeed, most all of those cases, 99.9% of them, are people who have claims that they want adjudicated. And the mechanism is there for them to have those claims adjudicated administratively. And so the court says you must make a presentment to the agency. You must seek appeals. You must get a final decision before the court will consider. In other words, give the agency an opportunity to change its mind or, or, uh, or correct the problem. Now, notice in our case, though, uh, there is no claim. These people don't want anything from government. All they want is their Social Security, and they don't want their Medicare. They don't even want the money they've paid into Medicare back. They just don't want to participate in that system because they believe it's inferior. Here now is a question of, you know, how can one exhaust remedies here? Well, the court found that there very well may be a mechanism for them to exhaust, but they should be excused anyway, and the reason they should be excused is, number one, the defendants have indicated that they're not going to change their minds about the way in which they're treating these people, that they will never, ever, 100 percent certain, will never allow these people to get out of Medicare. So uh, they're going to enforce these rules that were challenging. The court then said that those rules were challenging are subject to judicial review, that they do not relate to any regulation that is properly promulgated uh, by either one of these agencies, and they also, she said, don't relate to any statute passed by Congress, that they, they read entirely differently than any statute bearing on the subject that's ever been enacted by Congress, and in fact violate those statutes which of course is the gravamen of our case. We're saying that these rules should be voided because they violate the statutes. And she said that where there appears to be nothing but futility in an appeal, and the agency appears to be violating federal statutes in promulgating these rules, exhaustion's excused.
0: President Obama has taken uh, great pains in many, many months to push uh, a health care plan that would centralize a lot more authority at Washington DC when it comes to uh, how Americans get and finance uh, their health care expenses what what relevance is this case to to those plans
1: well it's it's of, it's of enormous relevance uh, in this aspect um, here's a case where two agencies promulgated rules that, are absolutely contrary to two statutes passed by Congress. And these two statutes couldn't be clearer in, in, in their voluntariness. And yet the agency comes along and promulgates rules since 1993 and enforces these rules as though they were law, as though, as though the agencies were Congress, that they can just go out and legislate anything they want. Now, you take House Bill 3200, that is being considered. That thing will create, what, nearly 53 new agencies and bureaus, all of whom will be um, promulgating rules. And if you think that they're going to uh, turn this into the most onerous system imaginable, then you're right on the money, because that's exactly what they'll do. This illustrates the power these people will wield. And if you're going to allow them to create 53 more agencies and bureaus to do this very thing, uh, it doesn't matter what the language of the statute says. And by the way, the language in in that House Bill 3200 is absolutely appalling. But and, – and, and even given more reason for these agencies and bureaus that will be created to promulgate rules that are absolutely beyond the pale, uh, it's absolutely frightening to think what they could do.
0: This case, Hall v. Sibelius, where does it stand right now?
1: Well, the courts uh, ordered uh, the government to respond to a motion for summary judgment that I filed, and um, they've got to respond by the 30th of October. And uh, we should be heading down the pike for a decision on the merits of whether these rules are, in fact, finally invalid. And the agency should be enjoined from enforcing them. And I suspect that's exactly what's going to happen.
0: Kent Masterson-Brown is an attorney in Lexington, Kentucky. You can watch or listen to his October 13th Capitol Hill briefing at Cato.org.